So, SENS is a research foundation whose purpose is to reimagine aging, aging, sorry, aging. Their whole aim is to figure out a way for you and I and everyone to live forever. Isn't that crazy? Is there, thank you. As the chief science officer puts it, I'm after letting people avoid death for as long as they want to. And I find this interesting because companies like this instill in us the assumption that death doesn't need to apply to us, that we can live insulated from the reality of death. Just think about it in our culture. Old people are tucked away and hidden in nursing homes. Companies mostly display the beautiful and the young. Even my daily lotion, an anti-aging serum, tells me that I can defy getting older. It says anti-age defiance cream. And our social can easily present a very curated and sanitized feed, even though there's a literal war breaking out across the sea in Ukraine. And yet, I find it interesting, if you check those words out, it says, no currently available medical intervention or lifestyle choice has been shown to affect the basic human aging process. We live in 2020 in comfy, cozy, secure Northwest Iowa, and yet we can't even defy death. In other words, we're all gonna die. Or in the words of the famous Latin phrase, memento menti, did I, I said that totally wrong. Memento mori, excuse me, it says, remember your death. Or in the words of Saint Benedict, keep death daily before your eyes. Or in the words of Augustine, no sooner do we begin to live in this body than we begin to move ceaselessly towards death. Or in other words, there's an 100% mortality rate for every human being. In God's words, Scripture has a lot to say, actually, about the importance of acknowledging that we're mortal creatures subject to death. In Psalms 90, Moses prays that God would teach his people to number our days, that he would grant us, gain a heart of wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, the preacher insists that it is better to go in the house of mourning than in the house of feasting, for this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. In Ecclesiastes, I said, in Isaiah, he ruminates, the grass withers, the flowers fade when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely people are as grass. Remembering our mortality has been a rich and formative part of Christian worship throughout history. And this, the Ash Wednesday service, is evidence of such intentional reflection, which culminates by the invitation to receive an ashen cross on our foreheads. God invites us to consider what our mortality, our being subject to death, tells us about who he is and about who we are. You see, from the soil and the perishable, the imperishable God fashioned human beings out of dust and earth and breathed his very life into you, into me. You are glorious and you are mortal. 
You are an incredible human being with eyes that can see 10 million distinct colors and a stomach acid strong enough to dissolve a razor blade and a nose that can remember 50,000 different scents and cells that reproduce so fast that 80% of the dust currently in your room is made up of your dead skin cells. And yet, you're not God. You can't walk on water or control the weather or live forever in these creaturely bodies. And in God's generosity and creativity, he fashioned us as mortal image bearers, where finitude and bodily limit, limitations are his good design. From the very beginning, God got his hands dirty, forming and fashioning Adam and loves and enjoys forming and shaping you. You see, Ash Wednesday's earthiness is no accident. It draws us back to creation. It invites us to enter into the places in our lives where he, we have been in denial or in living as more than we are in resistance to our creaturely limitations. It asks us, where do we need to come to grips with our humanity? And it clears the dust once and for all. We are the created, not the creator. Soon we'll receive a gritty mark of our creaturely limitations and a gracious reminder of the inevitability of our impending death. But we can be marked with confidence because our mortality isn't the whole story. And I'm struck by how mortality can be marked with confidence in Christ, how that's being embodied right now in our Ukrainian brothers and sisters, as there is a Russian invasion going on in the midst of bombs, they're declaring our God is mighty to save. Wonder if we could listen in. It's hard to see in that video right there, but there are bombs going off, and yet they are declaring that our God is mighty to save. The one who made dust became one made of dust to conquer and overcome death. Jesus took on human flesh in order to defeat death through his own death. Fully God and fully man, Jesus was led into the wilderness and overcame temptation not by proving his divinity, but through declaring his identity was secured as God's beloved. And today we remember the unfolding story of crazy, wild, divine love mingled with resurrection hope evidenced in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. We cannot defy death, but there is somebody who already has. Jesus has vanquished humanity's greatest foe. The cross transforms everything. And within this triumph of the cross, the imposition of ashes remembers our mortality, that we are dust, and yet, we are the breath of God within Christ's victory over death. 1 Corinthians 15, 5 declares, Where, O oh death, is your sting? Where, O oh death, is your victory? But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
And what I'd like to suggest today is that the victory we mortals receive in our time on earth through the resurrection of Jesus by the Spirit is the power to live within our creaturely limitations, not the power to defy or to ignore them. And to illustrate this empowerment by the Spirit to embrace creaturely limits as God-ordained means of flourishing, I've invited Gail here to share with her, us a little bit of her story. I've been really moved and, and impacted by the way in which she's navigated this. So Gail, I wonder if you could tell us in what ways did you deny or ignore your limitations? And how were you confronted with your mortality? Yeah, so this is actually something um, that is super fresh for me right now. Um, back in the fall, I came face to face with my humanity mm -hmm. in a very profound way. I was pushing against my limitations to make myself more than I actually am and really working for a version of myself that I thought I needed to be mm. and a capacity I thought I needed to have. Mm. So that looked like um, four seminary classes online, um, planning a women's conference in Sioux Center, working for Dort, and being a mom and wife. And pushing myself against my limitations really broke me, mm. physically, yeah. mentally, and emotionally. Wow. Yeah, so in that brokenness, in that place where you were confronted with your limitations, I wonder how you began to lean into the limits and where you began to encounter God's invitation into something different. Yeah, I, in that time, I really um, felt the Lord impressing on my heart to create space hmm. and to create space yeah. for Him. And I felt that that would need to then take risks of sacrificing some things that I was clinging to. Mm. And I think the risk in that is you feel like maybe you're risking your dreams or even your significance. So for me, it was apart from all these things I'm doing, who is Gail? And I was scared of that. So I was pushing against um, God's invitation, and one night I just stepped out in obedience and dropped all four of my classes, um, lost tons of papers and lectures, and uh, just took wow. about a month to commune with him and get to know my limitations and ask him what his yeses are in my life. Yeah. So as you begin to ask God what the yeses are and also to be okay with living within those yeses and not going beyond those. What are some of the challenges and rewards in that? Yeah, I think there's this awkward tension that I've been having to do, which is accept myself and my limitations, mm -hmm. to be okay with them. Mm -hmm. um, and then in that accepting, to offer them as an offering to the Lord mm -hmm. every day. Mm -hmm. Because I think it's in our mortality that mingles so beautifully with the divine. Mm -hmm. And so I was getting in the way. My image was getting in the way of God's image being formed in me. My activity was getting in the way of God's activity. And really my presence was getting in the way of God's presence. And so it's been a trying, awkward time, but I think it's a time to lose my life to gain, uh, gain my life in him. Yeah, well, lose my life to gain my life in him. And so often we look at our lives and go, 
I wonder how God can use the brokenness, these broken parts of me, the places that I've been going beyond, the places where I feel cracked and broken, and yet that cracked and brokenness is the very places in which God brings his power and his resurrection hope and his healing. And that reminds me of this ancient pottery technique in Japan called kintsugi. I don't know if you remember, you, you know of this technique, but it's where artisans mend pieces of broken pottery using lacquer mixed with powdered gold. So having been mended with gold, these vessels are even more valuable having been broken. Gail here is reflecting the glory of God through the healed brokenness in her life. In 1 Corinthians 4, Apostle Paul describes how our brokenness has been and is being and will be transformed. Says this, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God, not us. We are afflicted in every, every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. What an image for how God transforms our mortality. Not of removing us from our humanity, but of redeeming and restoring and healing us. Just like repaired flattery, our flaws and our imperfections aren't hidden as though they never existed or still jagged as to injure others. Now they are healed and made whole through Jesus' victory. Instantly, I think of the ascended Jesus seated next to the right hand of the Father, scars still in his hands and his side, evident and testifying of how he overcame sin and darkness and death. God didn't remove his humanity. He redeemed it and is redeeming us to reveal his glory. So I wonder today, the invitation on Ash Wednesday is this. Where have we, where have you been de denying or ignoring or resisting or going beyond your creaturely limitations? And what's the invitation from God? Where would he have you to live within the redemption of your humanity, of your mortality? So today, as we start the season of Lent, you'll be invited up to receive the sign of the cross on your forehead. The ashes of last year's palm branches from Palm Sunday are burned and then mixed with sacred anointing oil. And this symbolizes mortality and mourning, repentance and judgment, and also cleansing and purification. And so now as we transition into a time of receiving ash, I invite you into a quiet moment of reflection as I read this Lenten poem over the ashes. All those days you felt like dust, like dirt, as if all you had to do is turn your face toward the wind and be scattered to the four corners or swept away by the smallest breath is insubstantial. Do you not know what the Holy One can do with dust? This is the day that we freely say we are scorched. 
This is the hour that we are marked by what he has made through the burning. This is the moment that we ask for blessing that lives by the spirit within the ancient ashes that makes his home inside the soil of the sacred earth of our hearts. So let us not be marked with sorrow and let us be marked not for shame. Let us be marked not for false humility or for thinking less than we are, but for claiming that what Jesus has done within the dust, redeeming the dirt, restoring the stuff of the world in which the world made the stars that blaze in our bones and the galaxies that spiral inside the smudge that we will soon bear. So often our lives feel incredibly complicated, and yet they start so simple, and they end with great simplicity as well. All of us are really made up of two components, dust and the breath of God. That's why when we stand graveside, recognize the end of someone's life, the same lines get said again, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. It's the description that God speaks over Adam and Eve when sin enters into the world. But even our mortality, our finitude, our frailty is a protected gift. As grace enters into the story and the first thing that God does is cover us, cover our nakedness and keep us warm. And he says, now we must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. And so God banishes Adam and Eve from the Garden of Eden, not in a punitive act, but in a preventative one. So they would not reach out and take and be immortalized in their fallen state, but rather that God would create the path to eternal life through the gift of his son. This practice of ashes and the imposition of them on Ash Wednesday wasn't really popularized in U.S. churches until the 1970s. Certain denominations have been doing it longer than that, but Christians have for a thousand years in different parts of the world. And we're going to invite you now to come forward. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And then I'm going to invite you to come all forward. And if we'll do this in a, in a couple spaces. There'll be some music playing and give you the opportunity to just reflect. And if you don't want to come forward, stay in your seat and reflect from there and enter into a time of prayer. But everybody on the floor, if we could ask you to come down the outside and just find any one of the stations and then come up back through the middle and up in the balcony, if you can each head towards the center AV booth and at the top of the stairs there will be the stations for you to receive. And then just find your way back to a seat as we'll, and then we'll close our time in worship together. Allow me to a moment, this prayer of confession. We pray with me. Have mercy on us, O Lord, according to your incomparable, extraordinary love. You know about our wrongs and our mistakes and our brokenness. Cleanse us through and through, renew us and revive us. 
Help us to forgive ourselves, for we are aware of our flaws and frailties. And save us from false guilt and from putting ourselves down. We get things wrong, we know this. And we hurt you and others around us. We are people with soiled hands and feet of clay, capable of great and destructive things, of healing and of harm. And you desire the best for us. You offer us a hope and a future. Help us to face the truth about ourselves and about you. And as we do this, we offer you our frailties, our failures, and our successes, our weaknesses and strengths, our dreams, and our greatest nightmares. You are not fooled. You see us as we are. And you have the kind of compassion that we can only imagine. So will you please refresh us, cleanse us, rebuild our confidence, and renew our faith. Enable us to act honestly, to care deeply, and to walk humbly with you today and each day. In the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Now the music plays, and as you feel led, come on around the outside, find a station up front, and they'll mark your forehead and recite over you that you are from dust and to dust you will return. But if you'd prefer, you can just reach out your hand instead and they'll make the sign of the cross on your hand rather than your forehead. Come as you feel led. <laughs> 